Kia ora, and welcome to Legendary Conversations, a podcast by He Akoharinga. This series explores aspects of primary care in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We have legendary conversations with legendary people, providing primary care professionals with engaging and insightful lessons. Today, we're talking again with Lauren Smith about appropriate use of antimicrobials. This time, we're looking at topical antibiotics. Check out our previous podcast with Lauren about treatment of uncomplicated UTI if you haven't already heard it. Lauren is a senior practice fellow at the School of Pharmacy at the University of Otago. She is a member of the New Zealand Antimicrobial Stewardship and Infection Pharmacist Expert Group, also known as NAMSIPEG, with a special interest in antibiotic stewardship. Our education lead, Andrea Copeland, caught up with Lauren recently over Zoom and talked through a case study to highlight issues surrounding the use of topical antibiotics. Kia ora, Lauren, and thanks for joining us again today. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Okay, let's get straight into another case study. So to discuss the appropriate treatment for impetigo, let's use a hypothetical case with Peter, who is a three-year-old, otherwise healthy Pākehā boy, who was brought to the practice by his father to have a rash on his face examined. The rash has a gold-coloured crust, and Peter's not in any pain, and he doesn't seem unwell. There are no other remarkable findings aside from the two skin lesions, which you diagnose as localised non-bullous impetigo. So Lauren, what are the options for treating Peter's impetigo? First-line treatment for Peter in the absence of systemic symptoms or severe impetigo would be to use chlorhexidine or another antiseptic skin cleanser once a day to remove the crust of the impetigo. And then the treatment would be to use a topical antiseptic such as hydrogen peroxide cream or povidone iodine ointment three times a day for five days. Great, thank you. And how would treatment differ, do you think, if Peter had severe impetigo or was systemically unwell? Essentially, if Peter has severe impetigo, over 5% of his body surface covered in lesions or the presence of cellulitis or a fever over 38.5, then antibiotics would be required. And in general for impetigo, if antibiotics are required, then oral antibiotics would be recommended over topical antibiotics. And these would be flucloxacillin or cephalexin. Ideally, flucloxacillin would be first line as it is narrower spectrum. However, my understanding from speaking to parents is that if you've got a young child, that the flucloxacillin suspension is not as palatable as the cephalexin. Then if the child was of age that they could take flucloxacillin capsules, that might be something to consider. Or, I mean, you can still try the flucloxacillin suspension, but you might find some mothers say, I've, I've had that before and I just, I, I can't get it into my child. So in that case, then it would be going to cephalexin. So for mild impetigo, a topical antiseptic skin cleanser should be used to gently remove the crusts. Then an antiseptic cream or ointment should be applied. And if antibiotics were required for severe impetigo, they should be given orally. Yeah, in general, yeah, that would be the okay. guidance. And does hydrogen peroxide actually have uh, activity against the bacteria that are involved with impetigo? Yeah, so it does. It is actually a treatment. It's not just sort of a cleanser. It does actually have activity against treating it. Interestingly, our EPIC dashboard shows a high use of topical fusidic acids. So it's it's obviously still being widely used and presumably for skin conditions. Is this a problem? Yeah, this is quite a big problem, actually. There's lots of issues around that. So our high usage of topical fusidic acid has led to Aotearoa, New Zealand, having one of the highest rates of fusidic acid resistance globally. 
And, you know, this has driven the emergence of three dominant fusic acid-resistant clones in the community. And one of these is an MRSA clone, which is, you know, quite concerning. Okay, so getting back to our case study and three-year-old Peter, I understand that Māori and Pacific peoples have higher rates of serious skin infections than other population groups. So would management of Peter be any different if he was a Māori child? The actual management in terms of treatment isn't considered to be different, but I think it's important to consider that rheumatic fever is very commonly associated with group A strep infections from pharyngitis, but it's still possible that a child or anybody could develop rheumatic fever following a group A strep skin infection. That follow-up counselling and red flags, you know, for to tell the caregiver or the patient to look out for any new or unusual signs or symptoms within the two to four weeks following this skin infection, such as fever, chest pain, rash, hematuria, malaise, joint pain or swelling. I think that would be the most important thing to consider is that follow-up, but also that kind of looking at does the patient need an antibiotic um, or do they not? And I think when we use topical antibiotics, it's often when we're kind of in between, if we, we're not sure if they, they warrant an antibiotic and perhaps the ethnicity of the patient would be something you would take into consideration here. So you've said there are lots of issues with widespread use of fusidic acid ointment and that indicated that it shouldn't be used indiscriminately. What are the indications for topical antibiotics? Yeah, so this is something that myself and the other sort of colleagues working in this space talk about a lot. There's there's actually very few clinical indications for the use of topical antibiotics across all age ranges. And I think if we're seeing high levels of fusidic acid within the under fives, this probably reflects prescribing for impetigo. But even when we see it in other age ranges, like in residential care, we see a lot of topical antibiotics and it's about thinking about is this appropriate and is wound care more appropriate there rather than giving a topical antibiotic. And so the the main indications that are kind of accepted for topical antibiotics would be epistaxis if there was an evidence of infection or to prevent toxic shock if if there was packing in situ. But if that isn't the case, the, the guidance is that Vaseline or petroleum jelly is used first line. And I guess the topical fusic acid is in some guidelines considered second line for localized impetigo following treatment with an antiseptic that, you know, such as hydrogen peroxide. But in general, if the impetigo hasn't cleared up with the hydrogen peroxide, you're probably thinking about moving on to oral antibiotics there. And then finally, nasal decolonization. So we really should be seeing low levels of topical antibiotics in our prescribing data. And I think the the risk of resistance and things emerging, we should really be thinking about this in our prescribing and treatment practices. Thanks, Lauren. Dare I say it, but I have a tube of fusidic acid in my bathroom. I don't know where it came from. Um, What are your thoughts on having this in my first aid kit? Yeah, I think um, that's a really important question because there are probably lots of people in that situation. I think in general, it's, it's it's pretty inappropriate. And I think the best thing would be to return it to your pharmacy for safe disposal. Uh, you know, we've had the antibiotic amnesty this week, sort of discussing that very thing. If you've got leftover antibiotics, return it for safe disposal and using an antiseptic instead. So that would be the recommendation there. Thanks, Lauren. So the main takeaway point here is that there are very few indications where topical fusidic acid should be prescribed and its use should be the exception. That's quite interesting, actually, because as a pharmacist myself, it's quite challenging to hear that I've been using topical antibiotics inappropriately. So rest assured, I'll dig out that old tube of sodium fusidation, take it back (laughs) to the pharmacy for disposal. 
And I think it is important because I think from a psychological perspective, it almost feels like when you give a topical antibiotic that it would be less of a problem. But actually, the converse is true that it actually is more of a problem. And whilst we're talking about fusidic acid specifically here, this actually applies across the board in general for topical antibiotics. Oh, thanks so much for talking with me today, Lauren. You've covered lots of useful information and I'm sure many people, including myself, will be encouraged to think differently about the use of topical antibiotics. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for this legendary conversation with Lauren Smith. You can find more free resources on antimicrobial stewardship, including the Epic Antibiotics Dashboard at akoharinga.co.nz. If you have an account with us, you can record your professional learning from this podcast by going to our website and pressing the capture button in the podcast page. Just go to akoharinga.co.nz and sign up for free. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this legendary conversation. Legendary Conversations is brought to you by Heako Music by PJ Shepard. Sound engineering by Steve Hart. Mm-hmm.